You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 2, we started this, um, this church, this letter to the church last week. This is the church at Thyatira, beginning in verse number 18. We saw, first of all, number one, we saw last week, this is a message from the Son of God. Of course, that's Jesus, and I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that uh, He's got something to say. We saw His words, uh, we saw His warning, and we saw that this is His world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm glad I know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you need to come to know Him today. I got good news for you. He loves you. And he wants to know you and he wants to save you and he wants to be a friend that is closer than any brother. Number one, we saw Jesus. Number two, last week, we saw Jezebel. Notice with me in verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest, thou allowest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants. We saw Jezebel. Uh, Here is a woman in the church who wanted a title. She wanted position. She wanted people to look to her. And they allowed her to take the lead and to take the authority. And it doesn't say, and she taught and she instructed in the right way. But it says she seduced. That word seduced, it means to beguile. It means to deceive. It means to, to trick. And can I tell you, you better watch out man or woman for somebody that is going to deceive you into doing anything that is contrary to the word of God. Uh, By the way, we've all met some people that were real smooth talkers. We've all met some people uh, who could sell you anything, could convince you of anything, but I got news for you. Anytime anybody tries to get you to do something, to go somewhere, to believe something, apart from this book, you better watch out, you better stay clear of that because that person will not help you. That person will help to destroy your life is what they'll do. And so we saw that last week and I talked about last week, I I think I was clear, but uh, I, I talked about and I gave you some references in 1 Timothy. On First of all, this woman, she taught that which was contrary to the word of God. But also we find in the New Testament that God makes it very clear that a woman is not to be the pastor. A woman is not to be the preacher uh, over the men in the church. So you say, well, we've got some ladies that teach around here. You're right. We've got some ladies that teach ladies' classes. We've got some ladies that teach children's classes. Uh, We will, from time to time, we'll have a lady that'll get up in a service and give a testimony, maybe a missionary, or we've had some of the ladies come through, single missionaries. But if you'll notice, we never have those ladies preach because that is not the way that God spelled it out in his word. And it's very clear. You say, well, pastor, I see and I hear. and, And by the way, if everybody's doing it, That doesn't mean we have to do it. What we need to do is we need to go back to what the Bible says. And so we talked about that last week. I tried to be very clear. Um, Of course, uh, a pastor must be the husband of one wife. That's really hard to do if you're a woman. It's really hard to be the husband of one wife if you're a woman. So we talked about all that. But notice her teaching. 
We saw that she led the people in the church at Thyatira into immorality. They committed fornication and they ate things sacrificed unto idols. Immorality and idolatry. Those were the sins of the church at Thyatira. And those are the sins that if we're not careful, they will creep in to this church. They'll creep into any church because Satan knows if he can mess you up morally and he can mess you up spiritually, he's got you where he wants you. And that's why on the other side, Jesus is saying, uh, be pure, be holy. Uh, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jesus Christ is the one you should love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you love Jesus like you should, you're not gonna have any room in your life for any idols to come and to take that place. So we talked about that last week um, about Jezebel. Number three, we said last week the just those who were not influenced by Jezebel, those that stayed true to God. And praise God for those that stayed true, even when it seems like many people were led astray. Number four, we'll start here tonight. I see the judgment. It says in verse number 20 that Jezebel was the one, this woman Jezebel, that was what, how, what Jesus called her. She seduced God's servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. In verse 21, it's an interesting verse about judgment. Jesus says, and I gave her space. That word space here is the word time. I gave her time to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, verse 22, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, great punishment, except they repent of their deeds. Verse 23, and I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us as we look at this very, very important subject, very serious subject, the judgment of God. Lord, I believe this is a subject that we have danced around. I believe this is a subject that many times we skirt around and we uh, overlook or we, we kind of brush to the side. But I pray tonight that we would realize that you are still a God of judgment. You are a God that is holy. You are a God that has promised that you will judge sin. And I pray tonight that if there's anyone in this room or anyone that's listening or watching this service, that if there's something in our lives that is not right with you, I pray that we would repent and I pray that we would get it right while we still have time. May we not wait until it is too late. I pray that you'd help us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Judgment number four. First of all, and when we see the judgment, we see the judgment against Jezebel. It's interesting to me that God makes it clear in verse 21 that he gave Jezebel, this woman Jezebel, who was uh, one who seduced, who, who deceived the church at Thyatira. She led people astray. She led people into the worship of idols. She led people uh, into uh, uh, fornication. And yet God says, I gave her space. I gave her time to repent. Now, 
We don't know how much time God gave her. And we don't know how much time God's going to give us. But sometimes we get lulled to sleep because somebody will sin. Let's, let's, we'll say somebody, maybe that somebody is you. Maybe that somebody is me. And we will sin and we will do something that we know is not right. And by the way, how do you know it's not right? Because if you're a child of God, you've got the Holy Spirit inside and the Holy Spirit's gonna convict you of that sin. You see, a Christian's not gonna be able to live in sin and enjoy it. A Christian in sin is going to be miserable. You say, well, pastor, I've been living in sin a long time and I enjoy it. Don't tell on yourself. Please don't tell on yourself. What you are telling me is you're probably not saved. You say, well, who do you think you are to say that? I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that if you are God's child, God is going to deal with you like his child. He's going to chasten you. He's going to punish you. And if he doesn't chasten you, then that may be because you're not his child. And the Bible word is even stronger than illegitimate. Well, can I tell you this? If you have some sin in your life and God has not judged you or God has not punished you or God has not chastened you, it could be that God in his grace and God in his goodness is giving you some time to repent. But here's how some people take that. Some people say, oh, I got away with it. I, I committed this sin. I, I got involved in this and I know it's not right and I know the Bible teaches it's not right and look at this. I've been doing this for three months or I've been doing this for six months or I've been doing this for a year or however long and you say, God hasn't done anything about it. Well, first of all, you have to understand that God knows. You certainly believe that God knows what, what, what you do and God, God, God is aware of your actions and my actions. So it's not a matter of God not knowing. And then we know that God is a God of justice. God is a God of judgment. And so you have to know that God is, you're not, you're not putting anything past God. You're not pulling the wool over his eyes. So rather than say, oh, look at me, I'm getting away with my sin. You might wanna say, no, God's just been awful good to me and God's been giving me some time and God's given me a space and God's given me a time to repent. How many know that if your children ever come to you and they ever say, mom, dad, I did this. You didn't know about it, but I did this and I want to say, I'm sorry. How many of you know the punishment is less than if you find out as a parent and you call them on the carpet and then they try to lie about it and they try to cover it. How many of you know that punishment gets real big, real fast? You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to come and say, God, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against maybe a spouse. I've sinned against a, a friend or I've sinned against a neighbor. Or I've sinned against a coworker or whatever. I've sinned and God, I'm sorry. And I'm asking you for forgiveness. Isn't that so much better? When we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness rather than continuing in sin and waiting for the judgment of God. You see, God said that he would judge Jezebel. He said, I gave her space. I gave her time to repent of her fornication and she repented not. See, the goodness of God many times is that which leads us to repentance. 
When God does not judge right away, that does not mean that he will not judge. It simply means that God is giving you and God is giving me time and opportunity to repent because God always judges sin. You can mark it down. You can take it to the bank. God is a God of judgment. God is a God of justice. You say, well, what about his mercy? Oh yeah, I'm glad for his mercy. But there comes a point when that mercy is going to reach an end. And I know his mercy is everlasting, but but God's gonna give you a certain amount of time. At the end of that time, God's gonna say, I've given you mercy, I've given you grace, I've given you opportunity, but now because you are my child, I have to give you judgment. I have to give you punishment. You see, our sin must be judged. Our sin always affects ourselves, but our sin also affects those around us. Notice what it says in verse number 22. Behold, I will cast her uh, into a uh, bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. God says to Jezebel, not only is she going to be judged, but those that she has influenced in immorality and idolatry. And then it says that her children will be judged. And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. See, God is a God of judgment. I want to remind you tonight that your sin and my sin does not only affect us, but our sin affects others. We often use the example of, of alcohol or drugs. And, and by the way, I, I, I preach it. And the longer I live and the longer I pastor, the more I'm committed to preaching against it because I see, not only does the Bible make it clear, but I see how lives are destroyed and homes are ruined because of alcohol and because of drugs. And you say, well, pastor, I don't agree with you. Well, you go find a church where there's a pastor that won't preach against it and you have yourself a good time. But I'll tell you here, I believe the Bible is so clear. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The Bible makes it clear. But I want to tell you, I've seen so many situations where alcohol has destroyed so many lives. I want to tell you, drugs. I'm against them. You say, well, they're legalizing them. Well, they legalized alcohol too. I think you understand that, right? But I've seen what drugs do to families. I've seen what drugs do to young people. I've seen what drugs do. And can I tell you, I'm against it. And I'm going to preach against it. And those, those things, they don't just affect you. They affect your children. They affect your family. But what about this? I've known some people and I've seen some people in my life that never touched a drop of alcohol as far as I know. They never put drugs in their body. But they allowed bitterness to destroy them. And that bitterness did not just destroy them. It destroyed their spouse. That bitterness destroyed their children. That bitterness affected generations to come. And I tell you, bitterness will destroy you. It's a sin that God is going to judge and you will not suffer the judgment alone. It's gonna affect those that come after you. What about gossip? What about slander? What about criticism? My wife and I, we so often, we, we, we talk about how we, we try and um, are, are we perfect? No, we're far from it. She's a lot better than I am, but uh, we're far from it. But I'll tell you one thing we try not to do and we, we work at, and if we ever do, we'll go back and apologize. But we're not critical of God's people. And we certainly are not critical of God's people in front of our children. 
You say, well, I just think the children need to know. No, I don't think they do need to know. Can I tell you why? Because criticism is a disease. And it gets in you and it grows and it spreads. And it'll ruin you. It will, it will eat you up. It'll make your life miserable. What about pride? The Bible says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God always judges pride. Sin has judgment. Sin has consequences. And our sins not only affect our lives, they affect the lives of our children. The Bible says that Jezebel and her children, those that committed those deeds would be judged. And then it says in verse 23, it says, and all the churches shall know. Jesus says, I want all the churches to know. I want all the churches to take warning. I want all the churches to take heed that God is a God that judges sin. And notice what it says in verse 23. And I am he, Jesus says, which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. That word reins, R-E-I-N-S, it refers to the mind, but it even refers to the most secret parts of your life. You say, well, well what's that? It's the part that nobody else knows about. It's the hidden things. Uh, it's the thoughts that have never been verbalized. Uh, it's, the, it's the things that have never been acted on. It's the, it's the motivation, it's the emotions, it's the feelings inside that you can hide from everybody else, but God sees, God knows, and he says he searches. He does an in-depth investigation into our hearts and our reins, our, our innermost being, and he knows. You see, when God judges sin, he never makes a mistake. Now, my wife and I as parents, we've made some judgment calls with our children and we've talked about it later and we'll go back and we'll say, you know, I don't think, I don't think we handled that right. And I've had to at times and I'm sure you have as a parent at times had to go back and apologize to your children and say, you know, I overreacted on that. I didn't have all the information. I wanna let you know I'm sorry. And boy, that's a big piece of humble pie, is it not, when you have to do that? But God's never had to do that. God's never issued a judgment, and then he's had to go back and say, you know, I didn't know all the facts, or I didn't know all the story, so actually I didn't do that right. God knows everything. He never makes a mistake. He is the one that searches the reins and the hearts. He is thorough. He sees from every angle. He knows every aspect of your life. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. We can't judge like that because we don't know the heart. We don't know what's going on inside. All we see is the outside. All we see are the actions. And all we do is we hear the words that are said. But God sees into the depths of our heart. He is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. He is called the righteous judge. He is a judge that sits on the bench and he's never made a mistake. He's never made an arrow. He's never overjudged. He's never underjudged. He has always judged everything perfectly. He is God and he is the judge. We see the judgment against Jezebel. And by the way, you say, well, I'm not Jezebel. Well, I sure hope not, but I know this. 
We all have sin. We all have things in our lives that if we don't get right, they don't go away by themselves. You see, sin is not something that you can ignore and it gets better. Sin must be dealt with. Sin is an infection. Sin is a cancer that it must be treated. It must be dealt with. You can't stick your head in the sand. You can't just ignore it. You've got to deal with it. And there's a great physician who knows how to deal with our sin. His name is Jesus. And he loves to forgive. He loves to heal when we come to him and confess our sin. We see the judgment against Jezebel, but then we see, secondly, the judgment for the just. You say, well, pastor, why are the, judge be, uh, the, the just being judged? Well, look at verse 26. It says, and he that overcometh, and he that keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Now, first of all, that verse ought to encourage you, verse 26. The Bible says, to him that overcometh. You know what that means? That means it's possible to overcome. It is possible to get the victory. If it were possible in Thyatira for these people at this time to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, I got news for you. It's still possible today. It's possible at Victory Baptist Church, Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. It's possible for you and for me to be an overcomer and to be a victor. And I'm glad that there is victory available. God didn't just make this stuff up and say, well, I'll just, I'll let them believe it, but it's probably not gonna happen. No, God wants to give you victory. God can give you victory if you and I will follow what he has laid out in his word. It is possible to overcome. Notice with me, how do we overcome? Well, verse 25, I love this. But that which ye have already, Jesus says, hold fast till I come. Hmm. That's a good reminder. I needed to hear that tonight. You know what Jesus said to the church at Thyatira? He said, I'm coming back. And you know what Jesus says to the Victory Baptist Church tonight? He's coming back. He hadn't come yet, but he could come tonight. He could come tomorrow. He could come Friday. Uh, Brother Mike, he could come before your birthday. He could come before uh, the baby's born. You know, he could come. And by the way, he is coming. And, and the worse it gets in this world and the more people think he's not coming, watch out. In an hour that ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He's coming. I'm glad he's coming back. That'll help you overcome. Number two, he's conquering. He's coming back, but verse 26 says this, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Boy, there's a lot of turmoil right now in the nations of the world. You hear about Russia, you hear about Ukraine, uh, you hear about China, you hear about what's going on again with Iran. And I wanna tell you, the nations of this world, they're all fighting for power. But I got news for you. Jesus Christ is gonna take over the whole lot of them. Jesus Christ has power over all the nations and he's coming back and he's conquering and it's not even gonna be a close battle. It, you won't be sitting on the sidelines biting your nails when that battle's going on. You won't be nervous thinking, I wonder who's gonna win because Jesus Christ, he's coming and he is conquering. And then I like this, number three, verse 27. He is crowned. It says, and he shall rule them. <laughs> he's gonna be the ruler. 
He's going to be the king. He's going to be in charge. He is crowned king of kings and Lord of lords, and he will rule with a rod of iron. Now, we'll get into this in Revelation 20 and Revelation 21, but this is the millennial reign of Christ where Jesus will reign on this earth for 1,000 years. You know what's exciting about that? We're going to be here, and we're going to rule, and we're going to reign with Jesus Christ. You say, I've never been in charge of much. Well, get ready, because you're going to be in charge of something during the millennial reign. And, and by the way, I don't think you have to be prepared. I don't think you have to take a course or anything. I think Jesus will make sure you know what you're supposed to do. He's going to be the king of kings. He's got it all under control. But he will rule. He is crowned. But then I see this. He is crowning. He is compensating. He is rewarding us. It says in verse number 27 that um, he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, broken into small pieces, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. Jesus promises that he will reward us for our service. But then I see verse number 28. I see not only is Jesus coming, not only is he conquering, not only is he crowned, not only is he compensating and rewarding us at the judgment seat, but he is our companion. Now, verse 28, I'm sure you've read this verse and and like me, you read it and you thought, what in the world does that mean? I will give him, the one that overcomes, I will give him the morning star. Well, the morning star is also referred to in Revelation 22 and verse 16. It's referred to in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 and there it's called the day star. The day star or the morning star is the last star that appears just before dawn. And the morning star and the day star that we read about in the Bible is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now, here's what's so incredible. This verse says, I'm going to give to him that overcomes the morning star. Now, That's Jesus. And you know what? He is not only the king, and he's not only conquering, and he's not only coming, but he is our companion. You've got Jesus with you. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, you've got Jesus Christ living inside of you. The Bible refers to it as Christ in us, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul said it like this, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus has promised to be our companion. The story is told of a Roman nobleman. This nobleman had a father who was very, very wealthy. The father died, and for some reason, the father left all of his possessions with his slave. Not with the son, but with a slave. The slave's name was Marcellus. In the will, the father specifically stated that the son 
could choose one thing and only one thing from the entire estate of the wealthy father. And that son very wisely said, I'll take Marcellus. Because when he got Marcellus, he got everything. And I want to tell you tonight, when you got Jesus, you got everything. And when you got Jesus, you got everything you'll ever want, everything you'll ever need. And when you got Jesus, you became an heir of the most valuable treasure known to mankind. You became the one who has Jesus Christ living inside of you. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry here, none other has ever known. That Roman nobleman very wisely said, I'll take Marcellus. But tonight I'd like to remind you and I'd like to remind myself, I'll take Jesus. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.